the experience of being, the sparkling of truth devoid of I is the greatest austerity. The sparkling of truth devoid of I is the greatest austerity. That's from Ramana Maharshi, the Indian sage, died in 1952, I think, after the age of about 14 when he had a transformative experience of being in silence for, for the first 10 years at least, but became a great center of being for thousands of people who came to see him. He spoke and taught mostly in silence. Had an organization, an ashram, grew up around him. Ramana, I think, shows us that this experience of being is timeless, transcultural, transhistorical. That what Moses discovered on the top of Mount Sinai is present sometimes in, in great teachers and great individuals, but is present in us no less continuously if we turn towards it, recognize it, which is what we've been doing this week. And silence is the most effective language that enables us to commune with that experience. As Father John said, not to experience the experience, not to try to anticipate it or imagine it or have clever ideas about it, but to be, to be one with it one to experience being. Even the word experience, as Maggie Ross says, is a very dangerous word because experience always suggests something happened which I'm looking at, thinking about or deciding about. And silence introduces us to this reality of being, not through words like you look up in a dictionary, you don't know what it means, you look it up and then the definition doesn't help you either, so you look up words in the definition and you just go round and round in circles. But silence breaks out of that circularity of words and thought into a direct realization. I was talking to somebody uh, once, long, some time ago, who had been meditating for some time and the penny had only just dropped that you don't have to think about the meaning of the word. I was surprised and they were surprised in a way that it had taken them so long to, to, to hear what they had heard a hundred times. Every time they heard a talk or read something about meditation they would have come across that. Meditation is not what you think. But it doesn't, it has to happen in us. We have to see that the linguistic meaning of the word is not the meaning, is not what matters. And that what matters is the experience. And in silence, the experience and the meaning are one. We're not thinking about the experience, we're not investigating the meaning but the experience and the meaning are one. Which can also, I think, explain why the words peace and joy are so frequent in the New Testament. That's exactly what we 
discover what are the signs of this uh, state, this union of experience and meaning, it is that we feel joyful and we feel peaceful. Julian of Norwich gives us a uh, understanding of that too. She said, Of all the things we may do for God in our penitence, she sees life as penitence, purification, preparation. So of all the things we may do for God in our penitence, the most honouring to him is to live gladly and gaily because of his love. Of all the things we may do for God in our penitence, the most honouring to him is to live gladly and gaily because of his love. So that's all we have to do, to really honour God, to celebrate, to praise God, is to live gladly and gaily. And those states, that state of, of joy and of peace arise not because we're looking for them, they just arise out of this deep integration of ourselves with silence. And silence is therefore much more, of course, than the absence of, of noise and even more than the absence of thoughts. We perhaps have all had a little taste, however brief, of being able to be without thoughts. But to, to be aware is not that unusual for a moment even, or a few moments, that I had no thoughts. The sky is, is very blue, there are no clouds in it at all. But silence is deeper than that, because the thought, I have no thoughts, is a thought. There's still self-consciousness. <clears throat> So silence, and Ramana Maharshi puts this very clearly, is when the I-thought does not arise. So there is no external witness, observer. And this, I think, is what Jesus is pointing to when he tells us to leave self behind and all our possessions and to enter into that poverty of spirit which we enter into through the mantra and by living out the consequences of saying the mantra at the centre of our being. The sparkling of truth devoid of I is the greatest austerity. <coughs> well, another word for austerity could be poverty of spirit, which is when you don't feel you have anything, but you are everything, the kingdom of God. <coughs> and this... This poverty of spirit, which sounds negative, of course, poverty, like the word emptiness, is actually a portal of paradox that takes us through into the fullness. There's a deep Christian resistance to this today, and a deep Western cultural resistance to this ancient wisdom, and to this idea that we leave self behind. But if we go dig deep into the tradition, our own tradition, we find it again <clears throat> before the loss of our contemplative wisdom. St. Anthony of the Desert said that the monk who knows that he is praying is not truly praying. The monk who doesn't know that he is praying <coughs> is 
truly praying. So this is what we mean by, by silence, I think. <laughs> 